Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from Cardiff North's pastor, Ian Douglas. Hello, we are in a series called Live Like Jesus. And over the past few weeks, James and Alice have helped us to explore and think about what it means to live as followers of Jesus who embrace the lifestyle of a disciple. As a church, our goal and our mission is to restore the city and renew the nation. But we believe this happens as we learn to live like Jesus and teach others how to do the same. And as James shared during the first four weeks, learning to live like Jesus means arranging our lives around two primary goals. First, to be with Jesus and second, to do what Jesus did. And as James explained a couple of weeks ago, these two goals are like pedals on a bike. You spend time with Jesus and then you do what Jesus did. And then you spend some more time with Jesus and then you do what Jesus did some more. And as we keep doing these things, day in, day out, just like riding a bicycle, we begin to move forwards in our disciple journey of discipleship. Now last week, we changed gears in terms of our focus in this series. Whilst James spent most of the first four weeks teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus, Last week, Alice helped us to start thinking about the transformation that takes place in us and through us as we spend time with Jesus, learn from him and begin to put his teaching into practice. This is going to be a key theme in the remaining few weeks um, in this series, the transformation that comes through discipleship, because who we become is just as important as what we do. Now here at Vineyard, we try to be a welcoming church because we believe Jesus was incredibly welcoming to all who came towards him, especially those who were marginalised and on the edges of society. And we have a phrase that is known and used widely across many vineyard churches for those who are exploring church and faith in Jesus. That phrase, which is actually more of an invitation, is come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And what we mean by that is that it's okay to come towards Jesus and to come into this community with all your stuff, whether you feel like you've got it all together and all sorted, or whether your life feels like a complete mess, you can simply come as you are. And this was my experience of coming to, of exploring faith and going along to church for the first time as an 18 year old. When I started going along to my local church 15 years ago, I'd never stepped foot in church before. I was full of insecurities. I didn't know who I was. I used to drink too much to help me feel more confident about myself. And I had no direction or idea about where my life was headed. But as I walked into that vineyard community, I felt welcomed and accepted exactly as I was right then at that moment in my life. I arrived with all my stuff, but during those 15 years since, I haven't stayed the same. And the message of the gospel and the teachings of Jesus make it clear that embracing the lifestyle of a disciple should change us. The phrase is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And that is also the invitation of Jesus when he says, come and follow me, come and be my disciple. It's an invitation to have our lives completely transformed from the inside out in order to become more like him. 
And this has to be the ultimate goal of the Christian life. An authentic discipleship and apprenticeship to Jesus should inevitably result in transformation, changing how we think and how we live. And so the question Alice opened up and asked last week was, how do we change? How do we actually become more like Jesus? Alice spoke about the role of the Holy Spirit as the one who fuels that transformation within us. And she also talked about the freedom that transformation brings as we start to become more like Jesus. It was freedom in learning who I was in Jesus that helped me break free from that habit of getting drunk to try and impress people and feel more confident and secure in my identity. When I encountered Jesus, the way that I thought about myself began to change as I discovered how he saw me and began to feel more confident and secure about how he'd made me and who he'd made me to be. And so today, I just want to add another layer to our thinking about how we change. Because another key component in our spiritual formation comes through being in community. Community plays a vital role in our transformation. And for some of us, that would be great news, right? The more people, the better. Whilst others of you might be thinking, oh man, can't I just do this by myself? Can't I learn to live like Jesus by myself? But what I want to say today is that whether you are the most extroverted, outgoing person you know, or whether you are a much more introverted person who deep down is actually quite content with a bit of social distancing right now, wherever you land between those two, we all need community. It's how we're made. In the innermost being of what it means to be human, there is a deep need to be in relational community. Right at the beginning of the Bible, God said it himself, it is not good for man to be alone. We have been designed by a relational God to be relational people. And when we live in isolation, either by choice or forced by our circumstances, this can be devastating for our souls. Mother Teresa described loneliness as the leprosy of the modern world. And over the last 10 years, in parallel to the rise of social media, the number of people in our society that would describe themselves as lonely or isolated has skyrocketed. This has been covered frequently in the news in recent years, but it could still be easy to miss or dismiss in the digital age that we live in. Loneliness is a deep ache in the heart of our culture and at the same time, community, in spite of all our technology, is more elusive than ever. We're, we live in a time when we have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and probably a whole bunch of other digital platforms that I don't even know about yet, because at 33, I'm already getting a bit old. And as well as these, we have text and email, WhatsApp and Zoom, all of these different ways that we can connect digitally. In a sense, we're more connected now than ever before, and yet more people than ever feel lonely and disconnected. And that's because connectivity is not the same as community. Now, please don't understand me. Don't misunderstand me when I'm saying this. Connection is important, especially in this season. And many of us are doing well just to stay connected. But, connect, but connection is a starting point that paves the way for community, and it shouldn't be confused with community itself. John Mark Comer, an American pastor who we've quoted loads in this series because he's so good on this stuff, said, it's easier than ever before to be connected to everybody, but in community with nobody. It's easier than ever before to be connected to everybody, but in community with nobody. 
And the truth is, you can have hundreds of friends on Facebook and thousands of followers on Instagram, and at the same time, have very few, if any, deep, meaningful relationships with people who truly know you, people who actually know what's, what you're going through, people who have you've given permission to speak into your life. And at this point, I just want to say that obviously COVID-19, lockdown and social distancing have definitely contributed to this problem in recent months, for sure. But this was already an issue pre-COVID and the circumstances we're all experiencing right now are just putting more barriers in the way of us having the authentic, meaningful community that we all need. Sherry Turkle, a professor of social sciences, gives this definition for community. She says, communities are constituted by physical proximity, shared concerns, real consequences and common responsibilities. Basically what she's saying is that community is the people we live by. It's the people we do life with, the people we're close to. It's the people you see day in, day out, who know you and know what's going on in your life. Community is the people that see you and stand by you on the good days and the bad. And that's why lockdown restrictions and isolation rules have been so tough on us as a society. It's deconstructed many of the close communities that we'd forged, that we were so dependent on. All around the world, humanity has been trying to adapt, to find ways to not just stay connected, but to stay in community through this challenging time. And we're discovering two things. Community is very important, but in these circumstances, it's also very difficult. So there's a problem, isn't there, in our society concerning community. We might not all experience it the same way, but we can't pretend it's not there. It was there before COVID and it's only intensified since. But what I really want to talk about today is the importance of community, the role it plays in our transformation and the need for us to pursue it. So let's turn our attention to, what the, to the Bible and take a look at what we can learn from Jesus, the disciples and the early church about community. If you've got a Bible to hand, if you'd like to turn to Matthew 4, and we'll be starting in verse 18. And if this passage that I'm about to read feels quite familiar, that's because James read these verses during his talk a couple of weeks ago. But we're going to take another quick look at them now. So starting in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. In other words, come and be my disciples, come and be my apprentices, come and learn from me. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Okay, question. Did Jesus call one disciple? This isn't a trick question. Did Jesus call just one disciple? No. He called Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he was just getting started. Later in chapter 9, we also read about the calling of Matthew the tax collector as well. Now, we don't get the stories of how Jesus called all the other disciples, but in Matthew 10, we discover that Jesus called 12 disciples to follow him. 
They were known as the Twelve Apostles, and they formed his inner circle. Now, Jesus had lots of friends and lots of followers. If he was on social media today, he'd be pretty popular. But these twelve were his closest community, his small group, if you want to think about it that way. So Jesus didn't have just one disciple. He had many disciples. Each of them responded to a personal invitation to follow him, but all of them followed him alongside each other. You see, you can't follow Jesus alone. You just can't. Discipleship is both an individual and a communal pursuit. It's something we must learn to do alone in private, but also together in public, by ourselves and with others. You can't separate your discipleship to Jesus from involvement in a community, and specifically the church, because the two go together. And that's the way that Jesus intended it. In John 13, Jesus said, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Ronald Rollheiser, an author and theologian, said, Part of the very essence of Christianity is to be together in concrete community, with all the real human faults that are there and the tensions that this will bring us. Spirituality for a Christian can never be an individualistic quest the pursuit of God outside of community, family and church. He goes on to say that Christian spirituality is always as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. And the point he's making is that disciples of Jesus have to be in community. It's essential, not optional. And that's because whether we like it or not, community plays a key role in our spiritual formation. The Apostle Paul talks about the church as being one body with many parts. We are all different individual parts making up one body, one community, the church. And therefore, Christian community is not only biblical, it is essential in our transformation as disciples of Jesus. So I suppose the question is, how does community transform us? Or what part does community play in our transformation? Well, there are two things I want to highlight. First of all, community helps to expose the areas in our life where we can grow. One of the most well-known examples of community in the Bible is found in Acts 2, where we read about the early church who met together regularly, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and shared everything they had. These were people who understood that the call to discipleship was something that you do together. And at the same time, if you read further along in the book of Acts, we come across examples of quarrels and people doing people things, because it's inevitable that as humans live life alongside one another, it exposes our areas of weakness. If you never share your life with anyone, then your own flaws and areas of brokenness can be hidden away and never brought into the light. But when we actually do authentic, real life together, we can't hide these parts of ourselves quite so easily. And that might lead some people to think, well, wouldn't it just be better to remain isolated and never have to face up to our weaknesses? But if we're serious about growing and learning to become like Jesus, we just can't have that perspective. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty of benefits to spending time alone, and I'm certainly not suggesting that we should never be by ourselves. In fact, silence and solitude is something that I've really felt the Spirit of God prompting me to practice more in my own life as I continue to learn new ways to be with Jesus. But the truth is, 
if I was always by myself, I would never have realised that I'm actually pretty bad at listening. You know when you're having a conversation with someone and you can tell that they're just waiting to for their turn to speak rather than paying attention to what you're saying? That's me. I'm that guy waiting and ready to, to speak into the conversation. And if it wasn't for community, I probably wouldn't have realised this. It's something I know that I need to keep a check on and try to grow in. And I have good friends in community who lovingly call me out on this when they see it happening. So that's my first point. Community helps to expose the areas we need to grow in. But community also provides us with opportunities to overcome those weaknesses, put the teachings of Jesus into practice, and encourage one another in our discipleship. And for that reason, community is something we must prioritise, lean into, and fight to maintain. What does community currently look like for you? Would you say that you're in community at the moment? For many people, lockdown and social distancing restri restrictions have made it feel almost impossible to do community well. And many of us have probably settled or resorted for a new reality where community essentially no longer exists. But we're reminded in Hebrews 10 about the importance of staying in community. Hebrews 10 speaks about persevering in our faith and reminds us to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now more than ever, we need to be intentional and fight for community. We need to prioritise community and be creative in finding ways to stay in community so that we can encourage and spur one another on. That might look like finding time for a weekly phone call with someone, or going for a walk or a bike, bike ride with a friend, or catching up with people in your garden. I know personally that it's been the times when I've made an effort and found ways to see people that I felt most encouraged during this season. And in his, in his, in his, in the first talk in this series, James said that an important question to ask ourselves is who am I becoming? And that is a great question to, to be asking ourselves. And when we come and meet together in community, we collectively ask a similar question. Who are we becoming? Community provides a place where we can ask questions, share ideas, encourage one another, celebrate together, laugh together and cry together. It's in community that we grow together. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So not only does community expose the areas we need to grow in, it also provides us with a place to grow, change and be transformed. Have you ever tried practicing kindness or forgiveness or generosity or listening to others by yourself? It doesn't really work, does it? We need to be in community in order to grow in these things. So what does it look like to press into community? I believe that one of the best ways is to join a small group. This church is built around small group communities. We gather together in large numbers online and in person on Sundays, but community really happens in small groups. And we talk about small groups all the time, just about every week, because we believe 
that small groups are one of, if not the best way to get connected and become rooted in this church family. And currently we have over 35 small group communities that meet midweek all over the city, albeit they currently meet online at the moment. And most groups have somewhere between 8 to 15 people who for the most part try and make it a priority to meet together every week. Now some of you that are listening are brand new to this church. Welcome! It is so great that you're connecting with us and we would love to get to know you more. Others of you might have been part of this church for a bit longer and have never quite settled in a small group community and that's okay. But maybe it's time to get plugged in. And I know that there are many of you who are in small groups. You're in community and you're going for it. And that's fantastic. Keep at it. What I want to say is that wherever you're at, my hope, my invitation to you is to lean into community. Seek it. Prioritise it. Go after it. Take your mess, your stress, your questions, your answers, your beliefs, your ideas, your strengths, your weaknesses, and share it all in community with others. And I promise you, as you do this and commit to it, and as others in your group do the same, you will grow and so will they. The invitation is to root yourself in a community that's learning to live like Jesus together. I want to finish by sharing a story that someone shared with me about their experience of being in community and the impact it had on their life. It's from a woman in our church and this is what she said in her own words. Until I joined my small group almost a year ago now, I didn't truly understand what it was to be in community. I made all the excuses under the sun, I'm too busy, I'm a working mum, and the last thing I want to do on a Thursday night after a long day is go to a small group. After feeling disconnected and isolated, my faith was dry and I was needing friendship. I joined a small group and found my people. After a very difficult summer with my health that resulted in a two-week hospital stay, the word community was put into action. The small group WhatsApp was a source of prayer requests which we saw answered and with the ups and downs of being in hospital away from my family for such a long time, it was such a comfort. I had contact with women who loved me, cared for me and prayed their socks off for me. They not only looked after me, but also my family when I couldn't. Being, being in community is not just about practical things though. It is also, it is most importantly about encouraging each other to grow deeper in love with Jesus, showing each other how to do it, and being brave enough to hold each other up when we struggle. We are called to walk this life in community. Yes, Jesus rested and had isolate, times of isolation, but we are not built to be alone. My small group has changed my view of church and strengthened my faith in people. But I have also grown deeper in love with Jesus, who has taught me what it is I need. He knows best, and I know now, that I need community. Thank you to the leaders who lovingly lead us, and for the tribe of women I now call family. That is an amazing testimony. And I believe it encapsulates just about everything I've tried to share with you today. It emphasises the importance of community and demonstrates the role community can play in our transformation. In community, we can come as we are, with all our mess and insecurities. The areas where we need to grow will be exposed. 
but we will also find opportunities to put the teachings of Jesus into practice, to embrace the lifestyle of discipleship with others, to learn together and laugh together, to eat together and weep together. In community, we don't just stay as we are. We grow, we change, we're transformed as we learn how to live like Jesus together. I just want to pray in finishing. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as you call us into discipleship and following you, that you don't call us into it alone, that it was your plan for us to, to run together with others, to walk alongside other disciples. Jesus, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the community and the family that encourages one another, that spurs one another on. And I just invite you now by your Holy Spirit, would you show us where we need to grow in this? Would you show us the opportunities in our lives to make room for community? Would you show us where we're connected but not in community? And Jesus, would community be the place where we grow to become more like you? Jesus, I pray that our community would glorify you, that it would reflect you. And I pray that as people see it, that they would be drawn towards it. I pray for all of us in this church that our desire and our need for community would be met. So I just pray that in this season when it could be so difficult to be disconnected and isolated, I pray that you would stir us to go after community and find it. And as we do, would we find you and become more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen.